ladies and gentlemen, I would love to welcome today a man who has modified more Burns and BMG guitars than anyone I possibly know. I've seen his work in person at the US meetup in Phoenix. It's absolutely outstanding. I'm really pleased to be able to invite Woody Thomas to the podcast today. Hi, Woody. How are you? Good. How are you, John? I'm very well. I'm really, really excited to get a chance to talk to you. Yeah, same here. I'm, I'm glad to be on. Well, we, we can not have you. And we also, ladies and gentlemen, as we have Woody with us, I thought it would be fantastic. It wasn't my idea, actually. It was Woody and Ron's. We have Ron Smith with us from the Cyber Shop as well. The first triple header podcast thing, me, Bob, today. Hello, Ron. How are you? I'm just fine. How about you, John? Yeah, I'm hey, good. Woody. Thanks, Ron. Hey, Ron. <laughs> so we are all using Zoom. Ron and Woody are not sat together, although Ron does have a mask on. I don't know what that's all about, Ron. Um, I've got it off now. <laughs> um, yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Um, we'll start with you, Woody. How how did this all... Like, where did... Where to start? How how did you come into Queen? What can you know? Talk to me about your um your first memory of Queen and and, and listening to in, music. In the mid eighties, uh, had a neighborhood friend who uh, got me into uh, Queen and Zeppelin and, and Rush, all these heavy bands, and uh, he uh, would let me hear the guitar sounds from these bands, and he was like. With, with Queen, he's like, what kind of guitar is he using? Les Paul. And then, you know, he's like, how about this song? I said, that sounds like Catelli. So here, come find out, is the, the Red Special. But, and then, and then I found out that, you know, he built the guitar with his dad. And I was blown away by the, the sound of the guitar. It has that kind of a woody tone to it. And uh, it just grabbed my attention. And I've just been listening to him since. Did, did you find out quite early then that he'd made that with his dad? Was that an earlier discovery? Uh, I, I, I was a buddy of mine. Did, he got me into him and he didn't uh, tell me about the guitar being made yet. And it, it probably took me about a couple of years after hearing the first Queen album. And I could hear all the different tones and everything going on. I thought it was different guitars. And they would let me hear different Queen songs. So what kind of guitar do you think this is? And he just kept throwing me through loops. And here it was just one guitar, the one him and his dad made. Yeah. So uh, it just, like I said, he grabbed my attention and I got stuck with it. So then that was back in around the 70s, was it when? when? Oh, no, it was, it was probably mid-80s for me. Mid-80s. And uh, did you at that point, you know, wh wh where were you with music? Were you playing then or were you doing things or were you just coming at it brand new? Well, I, I eventually discovered Zeppelin and I got into playing guitar because of, of Jimmy Page. But then hearing Queen, I got more blown away because he's using one guitar. And I just uh, grabbed onto that sound. I love that sound. But back then, you weren't able to achieve it because there was only one guy who had that guitar and could only get that sound. That was Brian May. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, <laughs> and, you know, back, back then in the 80s, were you, were you playing in a band or were you, you just starting out on your guitar journey? Or 
Yeah, I was just starting out. I, I, you know, I was, I taught myself, I took lessons for about a year and then stopped. And, uh, you know, I was in a couple of bands, but uh, nothing really serious. Just, I just enjoyed playing the instrument and uh, just learning about it. Can you remember, like, when you realized that, or when you were informed that he'd built the guitar with his, with his dad and, and because obviously you know at that point it's massive to know it's the one guitar making all those sounds and then to go he made that with his dad that's well back in the 80s i mean we didn't have internet we didn't have enough information so i was just you know whatever you could find in a magazine but there really wasn't that much about his guitar that i could find and, you know, when the inner, you know, and then I, I loved the guitar so much, but I couldn't, you, you can't find it. You had to build it. And there was nothing out there for it back then. So I just loved hear, listening to the music. And, and then, you know, until the commercial uh, made copy of uh, the Burns came out, then that grabbed my eye. That was back in the early 2000s. Yeah. So you'd gone quite a while then from, wanting to try and obviously play guitar and then capture that sound and come up with that sort of similar thing. And obviously it, the internet, I mean, the red special on the internet didn't really kick off till around the early 2000s either when Correct. The, the burned guitar was marketed. So you had to kind of wait a while before you could actually start learning a bit more information about it. Oh yeah, I, I always thought about, I'd love to build this guitar. I could see pictures of it, but I'm like, how do you make the stuff for it? How do you get the parts for it? How do you do it? And this, you know, this guy built this stuff out of his garage and, and all these parts were around the house. And that, that's what blew me away. But I always thought about, it, but I just, I never went, went uh, for it to try it. You know, um, I just had my last balls I played and I just did that instead. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's quite similar to a lot of people who I've spoken to on the podcast. I mean, it's funny how similar all of our stories are that we heard Queen and fell in love with the sound and then figured out Brian built the guitar and it's the one guitar he's using. And like, you know, lots of other guitar players play lots of instruments to achieve different tones, but he's using the one rig as well. Exactly. And to make all those noises and, and whatnot. And then it was obviously like the dawn of the internet really where a lot more of this these people like yourself myself and other forum members started congregating online where in these virtual spaces that weren't around and going you know i really love brian may and his guitar and someone else going yeah i really love brian may and his guitar and yeah i really love brian may and his guitar and it started to build this community of people and with a similar interest all from all different sorts of backgrounds and different stories and experiences of either meeting Brian or reading, you know, being involved in um, Julian Hemingway of the radio. Um, you got to play with Brian on stage and then trace the guitar. And you've got people like Mark Reynolds who sent Brian some pictures of his and got to meet Greg Fryer. And it's, it's like without the internet coming around when it did, it's almost like perfect timing for this whole thing to explode. Um, which is, we have a lot to answer for, but, and then I, I picked up on the point you said about parts, which probably leads a nice segue into, uh, Mr. Cybershop. 
Dead, baby. LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Ron, yourself, obviously, you know, we all know you as, as making all the parts for these things, but I know your journey was a little bit different to some of ours in ending up where you, where you are. Um, we'll come on to how you and Woody met in a little bit, but I'm guessing you had a similar love of music and, and found Queen a bit later on. My life was music growing up. We moved around about every two years because of my dad's job. I mean, he would get promotions and go to another comp, another factory and, or another town and, and all that stuff. So I had music, you know, because I knew my friends would be short lived. Uh, so I really, I really enjoyed music. I, I, I dove right into it. So because of my age, Queen came out. I think their first album came out like the latter part of 74 or 73, I think maybe. Yeah. And in 73 is when I graduated high school. 73 is also the year that I joined the Navy and went to boot camp. So I had one summer of freedom and uh, really Queen wasn't on the landscape then. I was like listening to a lot of different music at that time, more hard rock stuff, not Southern rock, but more of a hard rock, Pink Floyd kind of stuff, Janis Joplin, Alice Cooper kind of thing. Then I get out of the service and I'm on my own for the very first time in my life, 17 years old. And uh, my by the time I got through with my A school in Chicago, I was in California just turned 18 and my music by then was listening to David Bowie, Martha Hoople, Slade, uh, some of that kind of genre. And of course, by then the second or third album came out of Queens and, and man, I tell you what, just like Woody, that guitar grabs you. Of course there was Freddie's vocals, but the guitar, and I didn't know I have a clue about the story behind that guitar. And it was only later that, you know, that I found out the story behind the guitar, but I always had that love for queen. So that would be my introduction to queen. I, I was just a fan uh, until yeah. I met, you know, the people that made that call and said, Hey, I'd like for you to make me some parts. I said, okay, <laughs> I'm the man. <laughs> I suppose it's, it's quite interesting because you know, you've gone off Ron, you've, you've joined the Navy and you've done what you've done and ended up becoming a, a machinist and a CNC programmer and lots of other hefty, lofty titles. Um, and we now all know how good you are at what you do. But um, back then when you were doing it, no idea that you would end up in this position, probably yourself, Woody, as well, not, you know, probably gone off devoting towards a different path and then ending up in the community. Not, not a clue. Same here. Not, I didn't know it was going to happen this way and stay this way. And what, what did you, what was your journey to here, Woody? What were you doing before you ended up modifying guitars? <laughs> I was a truck driver for a lumber company for 17 years and I was laid off for a month and I started figuring out how to make parts, pick guards and stuff during that time I was off, laid off for about a month. And when I went back to work, I was bringing plastics and sandpaper with me and cleaning up parts and stuff for orders on job sites. Yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually that 
you know, that job uh, uh, closed up and I worked for FedEx for a while driving big trucks. And then uh, I said no more. And I stayed home with my kids and, uh, you know, started making parts again. Start going, you know, 100% and then uh, got on social media, Facebook, Instagram. And a few people saw me and it just went kaboom. Nice. I remember when you uh, sort of exploded onto the onto the the social media stage all those years ago, and it's like, wow, this guy's doing some fantastic stuff. Be interesting to uh, keep track and see where he goes. Um, <laughs> you've done pretty well for yourself, sir, since you. Nice. Yeah, I, I I started probably back around 2006, and then I made the website around 2007, 2008, but and then you know, officially became Mars Conversions, but then I had that slow time where I was still driving trucks. And then when I stopped driving trucks, I just, you know, like I said, I, I went on uh, social media sites and then it just went, it blew up. And, yeah. you know, a couple people knew who I was and uh, ordered parts. And then uh, it just, you know, word of mouth and that's what happened. We're quite a loyal fan base. If we find someone that we're we're happy with as a group of people, then and you you know and you do a good job, and you two both do an exemplary job. Um, people that word spreads amongst the community, and those questions come up, which we all get frustrated with. Where do I buy a pit guard from? And everyone go RS conversions. Where do I buy a tremolo block from? The cyber shop. It just becomes the stock answer to those questions, and I think that's. It's such a lovely thing in the forum is that we're loyal to the people that are fans of the guitar as well. And it's, I don't think you get that in every forum or in every set of circumstances because sometimes other people will come along and try and pinch ideas, but sort of. Yeah. With, with this whole red special parts, pick guards, fans, uh, the, the whole group, the whole community is very passionate about Queen and the Red Special Guitar. And I've never seen a bunch of people so passionate and in a good way. I think it's it's a great thing. And it just brought thousands of people together because you got forums on the regular Internet. You got forums on Facebook, uh, Instagram. It's all over the place. And it's a great thing. Absolutely. If it wasn't for the uh, internet or Facebook, I wouldn't be here because the first probably six years I was machining parts, I wasn't on Facebook. But once I got on Facebook, it just, the the, the whale just, I mean, the dam just bust wide open, uh, just yeah. like Woody. Yeah, no, it's, and, that, and that's the great thing, I think, with, with the community is, is we're all really loyal once we find the right people and you do a good job and you do it well and yeah people will stick by you so woody did, did you have any formal training in in doing what you're doing or is it all self-taught it was self-taught when i was uh you know uh, from my uh truck driving job i was laid off for a month i said why not learn how to make prick guards because i did my own first conversion myself on my own guitar i did uh it was a b stock burns and it really it was in bad shape and I did a conversion on it and uh, I, I sourced the parts out through Chris Mahoney and talked to him about it. 
And uh, he's, he gave me the idea that I should make a business out of it. And I wind yeah. up doing it, which was RS Conversions. Yeah. So you mentioned Chris there. And I know Chris has played a, a part in both of your lives in some form. And Chris is obviously, um, he was around, I mean, back in the day, I remember um, BrianMayCentral.net, which was a website yeah. that used to exist. And there were some fantastic photos of Chris with the original Red Special, I think, in L.A. probably. Um, mm -hmm. And you could really see how beaten up it was on the back. And he'd been lucky enough to go in and, I think, see the guitar and take photos and then meet Brian a bit later on. And Chris was ended up creating his own business, building guitars at that point. And right. I, I, did you both, Ron, I know you, um, well, I think, I don't know, I think you ended up making parts for those guitars at that point with chris how did how did that happen is that him getting in touch with you or was that someone else or absolutely i'd never even heard of the red special in my life and uh, i've had the cyber shop shop as a business since 1997 and uh, <laughs> uh i was making mostly uh aftermarket automotive and motorcycle parts really nice custom parts for harley davidson's indian motorcycles uh, several things like that but nothing in the music I, I take that back i did do some tail stocks for gibson for a limited edition uh guitar they did uh, i don't even remember the years is in the 80s i think hey, it might have been the 90s but anyway um i did do that but other than that it was just mostly uh, uh other than doing stamping dies, you know, cause I'm a tool, tool and die maker, but, um, I was sitting on the porch one Sunday and it was a beautiful Sunday and I will never forget it. Cause I'm telling you, and I'm telling you the truth, this is the day that changed my life forever. And we're sitting there on the porch. It's a beautiful day. Uh, my wife and a couple of friends and phone rings. And I can remember answering it. And this guy saying, Hey guy, you ever done any guitar parts? And I just stood up and I walked to the end of the porch and I continued the conversation. And, uh, I said, well, no, but I said, you know, parts are parts. <laughs> and, uh, he said, yeah, absolutely. And he started telling me about his problems he was having with Korea. He, he was having some, his original parts made in Korea or over Woody, you may know this, but he uh, was having his parts made there, but he was having a real bad communications problem with him. Got a lot of bad things. He just wasn't satisfied. He had made the vow. Everything I make is going to be made right here in the United States. So, you know, that caught my attention. He says, he says, listen, man. he said, I'm in Nashville. He says, can you meet me? And I go, you know, absolutely. So, um, it was uh, like 30 miles away. It was on the other side of Nashville and it was in the cool Springs parking lot in the Harley Davidson parking lot. Absolutely. And so I met him there and super nice guy. Um, uh, I didn't have a clue what he's showing me. He was just showing me these sketches, you know, to me, it's just a, uh, like a napkin drawing that I would have to draw up on AutoCAD, you know, program and all that stuff. But, you know, another job. Didn't have a clue what the Red Special was, but that was my introduction to the Red Special and Chris Mahoney. Nice. So it was literally Chris found you up and got you involved. Absolutely. Without Chris, 
and Everett Wood, I wouldn't be where I am today. No, I got to take that back. I wouldn't be where I am today if it was, or actually, I, well, I'm not going to speak for both of us, but I can speak for me anyway. I know that everything I am today, as far as being able to be, you know, retired and doing the thing that I love to do is pretty much solely due to the RS community. Absolutely. Pretty good place to be, Ron. Sure is. Woody, were you involved at that point with Chris as well? Or what? I, I, I met Chris probably around 2006. So I'm not sure when you met him. But I think you actually met him first, I believe. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to think here. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I somehow I think Chris might have had stuff on eBay for parts for, for an RS, and I got a hold of him about conversions. And somehow we wound up just talking to each other instead of going through emails and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he was telling me about Everett Wood as well. And then I wound up talking to Everett and got a hold of his old machinist, Tim, talking about parts and about the conversion. And I, I wound up having him made, make the uh, conversion block for me uh, after I did my conversion. Because I backtrack, I had to... Uh, search around. I think I found a guy named Jim Reed who made the tremolos for a conversion. And I think he's, can't remember what country he's from. And I'm not sure if he makes them anymore. And I bought a couple off of them, but could never get a hold of them. And so I had Tim make me some parts up. And, you know, I was, and it was Chris who told me about Jim Reed. And, and Chris already had some of the parts as well. So I can get this one guitar done, which was mine. Um, I, but then eventually after I did that conversion, then I wound up talking to Everett and I wound up buying one of his guitars and then the floodgates open on everything. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and then I wound up going to Nashville, meeting Everett and, and Tim. Uh, they invited me to the NAMM show. Uh, I think that was like 2009. And then, uh, you know, they saw the convert. I had a conversion I did for somebody and I brought it with me and uh, the customer met up with us. His name was Mike. I can't remember his last name right now. And uh, Everett, Tim and Mike were blown away by the conversion. It was a green Burns guitar and it really came out nice. And it just, they, they saw the work I did. So, so then Everett and on, you mentioned earlier that um, Chris said to you to start a business. Was it around that point? Well, I mean, you obviously you've done one for a customer, so you're kind of in business then. Um, yeah. After, after I did my first conversion, he, he, uh, he's, he uh, got, we were talking on the phone. He says, uh, you got to think of doing a business for this. You can really do well doing it. And I thought about it for a day and I said, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And I had to think of a name and, ours conversions it's it right there so yeah so i wind up uh you know making up a website grabbing the name uh you know buying the name and and just start putting parts on there 
that's pretty much it. Just the you know, source of the parts from people from from anywhere as I can find it. Mostly it was from Chris Mahoney, were like uh, knobs and uh, tremolo arms that I was I was getting from him. Maybe strap buttons, but now I can get everything from Ron Smith, and mostly all that stuff's on the website. I still have to update it, but uh, all the parts are from him now. Yeah. When did which? Go on, Ron. Lost you, Ron. Lost Ron. Where have you gone, Ron? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text him. How about now? No. Yeah. Yeah. He's running the cable. Yeah. Okay, I hit the little button thing on here. Yeah. <laughs> So we can, uh, uh, yeah, we, I was we just saying that. Uh, Go on, Ron. I was just saying that the only. Uh, let me turn my volume up. I can't hear. The only thing I was saying was, uh, uh, he was uh, Woody was mentioning the parts for me now, but I've got to attribute every bit of that to Chris Mahoney and every Wood. I mean, they were. It seems like they were the origins for you and I both, as far as uh, uh, our yeah. pursuit to the RS. It is. Those yeah, I mean, guys. And, and they were pretty big players back in the day in terms of pushing the boundaries. There was obviously at that point in sort of 2006, you're talking the only guitars available at that point were the um, obviously the guilds from the 80s and then the second run. You had the Burns that had just come out, I think around 2002, 2003. I think Andy Guyton had announced his guitars around that same period, but details were limited and obviously they were a limited run of 50. So Apart from a couple of the other, like, or KZs, obviously, I have not to get KZ. The KZ Pros are out, but obviously they were quite expensive and you had to order one from Japan and getting them imported. Um, and obviously he was very busy doing that and there was a waiting list. And then I remember Chris coming on the scene saying he was making them. And then Everett obviously having the, the guitar from Fender that they were looking at making which Brian had supplied all the information for, and he got all those parts together and found the John Birch copy um, in pieces. So it's, you know, they were quite, although, yeah, I mean, they were quite big in the, the history of all this in the early time, because they started putting these things out there and sharing their information and being more in touch and maybe giving people the idea that they could potentially as they possibly planted the seeds in your two two's head to make a business out of doing this and and provide something back to the community, which was a lot smaller back then, I think. Oh, absolutely. And they were true fans. I mean, the research those guys did is just especially Everett. I mean, he worked for years doing the research. And and uh, I mean I couldn't I can't believe how much work the two of those guys put in because like Woody said, this is back during the early days. I mean, you, you didn't know. I mean, I guess that x-ray picture that came out was what really burst a lot of, uh, inspirations out there or whatever. But, um, other than that, yeah. I mean, it was almost like a detective job and, and Everett did th that detective work, man. I tell you what, they really did their research. Uh, I got to give them kudos for that. Yeah. I mean, it was a really, 
for information it was not like today where you've got the book by simon bradley and you can go and pick <laughs> it up and have a look in it and it shows you all of the details of the red special i mean there's still a few things that need interpreting correctly and um obviously seeing the original guitar makes a, a massive difference but back then to, to produce anything that worked and looked and sounded the, the right sort of way was was with the information that was out there was a, a monster monster task and um everett and i mean this was before facebook everett and chris were quite active on the old red special forum um right. use brian mayworld.net you hit the red special and then go to the old old forum before it got converted to the new one but so Sorry, I'm rambling myself now. Um, <laughs> it's just interesting because it's it's going back in time to the time where I was as well. It's a bit of a walk down memory lane for me because it's the time where, I mean, I got involved around 2002, 2003, and I remember it so vividly, the the whole of well, Chris and Everett sort of emerging and evolving and becoming what they did become. And then obviously all of the other branches that split off there and, and spoke to Everett at some points and communicated with Chris as well via emails and and um yeah it's it's like going down memory lane talking about them in a good way. Yeah, yeah. you know, the, and those guys did a lot of legwork, a lot of phone calls. Uh, it's not like they got on a computer and the internet was there. It, it just you know they you know kudos to them they got a, a ton of information, but uh, just you know, trying to get that information, trying to find somebody to make this part, Ron, it's a lot of legwork and a lot of phone calls. And yeah. today, nobody does that. They go on the computer, they hit they hit some buttons, they try to find out, you know, where they can get the parts and stuff. And that's for anything. Yeah. But the nice thing is you have things called reviews and people read them and say, okay, I think I'll go with this, has a lot of good reviews or um, reputation. I have a good reputation. Ron Smith has a reputation. Back then, nobody had a reputation. <laughs> right. Leg work and phone calls. That's all it was. And, uh, when, yeah, definitely. And the guitars, you know, you couldn't just buy a Red Special in a shop either. You, to get hold of a Burns was a task because you could only buy them from um, Barry Morehouse when they even came out. And you had to phone up to place an order. You, you couldn't oh, yeah. jump on. You couldn't jump online and hit order. You had to give them a ring when they first came out. And then you know the internet's obviously evolved over all of that time to what it is now. And it's easy to forget how how advanced we are and how readily available this stuff is. Because sure. um, it it really wasn't. Yeah, and you wonder where and you wonder where it would be today if it hadn't been for the Chris Mahoney and Everett Wood. And Mark uh, Reynolds, you know, yeah, you got to throw him in there too. I guess he was in the really early part, even before Greg Fryer, right? Am I yeah, right Mark, there? Am I well? <laughs> well, Mark built his own guitar, um, and then he built it. And then a few years later, I spoke to him recently, actually. So he, he, hopefully, his podcast will be out just before yours. So this should mm -hmm. tie in. But he sent Brian some photos of his Red Special and explained how he. How he made it because his friend told him he should do um and so literally he posted it off and the very next day greg fryer phoned him to say brian and i've been looking at your oh. photos and we're going to be restoring the we started the res restoration on the original and 
you know, how did you do this? And how did you do that? And uh, we're looking for a spray booth. Do you know anyone? And that's how Mark started to get involved. So it's purely by... I was under the impression it was built after Greg Fryer did restoration. I didn't know it was before. Yeah. That's new to me. That's, That's really cool. Yeah, so Mark was just yeah. right place at the right time, really. And obviously, I mean, his his original build he did was very good. And he spent a lot of time with Julian Hemingway, who's another name on the forum, um, talking about guitars because Julian had had the opportunity to play with Brian on stage and was given a treble booster and Brian had let him trace the original. And Julian had made up some of those plans that, that you can see on the internet now if you look hard enough. And so Mark had taken that information and made one. And then after some time, his friend convinced him he should email, like post a letter to Brian May to tell him what he'd done with some old school photos. And that's how Mark got involved in it all as well. It's just by right time, right place. And then seeing, not seeing it as an opportunity, but just being a genuinely nice chap when Greg phoned up and forming a, a friendship and a relationship and then helping Greg restore an element of the guitar and and giving him the access to the spray booth and making up the um, pickup rings and then fortunately enough going to Brian's house to play the original but it's it's those sorts of guys that were the um sort of the, the founding fathers of the forum really because then they started posting up their information and you kind of I, in a way it allowed a lot of us to you know it's almost enabling all of us that are geeky about all this stuff or anoraks to go oh there's there's more of us it's fine we can talk about this it's okay i don't have yeah. to sit and uh, keep this quiet anymore because there's, there's it's not just me there's someone else in the country and someone else on the other side of the planet that that loves this too and people you know we're all connected by it it's it's fantastic really yeah and i mean uh, greg is an open book I've never seen anybody so open about trying to share information. Uh, he reached out to me, uh, not too long after I got involved, I guess I sort of had built a reputation of having good quality parts, but he reached out to me, man. And, and we've talked about several projects and things, but I mean, he's an open book, a super good guy. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he's not had a chance to speak to Greg yet, but. Greg, if you're listening, we'd like to get you on, have a chat with you because you've got your history in this all. And that's the idea of the podcast is to try and capture the history of it all and what it means to us all. So if you are listening, please, please, please do get in touch or answer my emails. Um, that'd be great. But Woody, you're, you're then um, speaking to Chris Mahoney and then Everett Wood, you've gone along with your guitar at the NAMM show. You said it exploded. So what sort of happened from there? Was it just reviews that increased people's traffic to you to get things done or well, it was a lot of word of mouth uh uh people and, and a lot of people were looking for red special parts at that time things were coming out on the internet and uh my website would just pop up if you google it up and then i would just just get emails back and forth that's back then now i get more of a messenger you know from facebook i get uh, a lot of messages from messenger and instagram uh, yeah. you know but, but i still get business coming through the website still a lot so uh every morning i'm checking all three places for, for orders or customers asking questions or 
anything. And, and you know, and I, I like it when somebody has a question about something, and I'll give them all the information they need. Um, I had a guy from Russia yesterday who bought one of Ron's tremolos quite a while ago, and he was asking about a roller bridge. He was looking at the Wilkinson one, and I explained to him. I said, "You're gonna have to shim it up." I had to show him pictures, example. And he said, all right, thanks, I'll get back to you. And I, I like explaining and helping people on on this uh, guitar. Because a lot of people don't understand, you know, what, a radius on the fretboard, you need to have that match up with your bridge. So, um, you know, and I, I just sent some videos uh, to a couple of guys from the forum on Facebook uh, of uh, scraping binding. So... <laughs> I, I don't mind. I mean, it's, I'm doing the one of my guitars I built, and I'll, I'll show you how I did it. I'll just set the camera up. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I like helping people out and, you know, obviously making parts and, and selling them too. Yeah. That's so yeah. a thing. I don't know what I'd do without Woody. I mean, people are always messaging me like, hey, man, what about this? And I'm going, I don't I haven't got a clue. I said, I'm a machinist. I said, you need to talk to a good Luther who knew, who knows conversions inside and out. Woody Thomas is your man. Yeah. I know when you came to, when I met you, Ron, in the Phoenix meetup, um, yeah. we're talking about some bits and bobs and I was like, oh, so Ron, Ron just relies on Woody for everything then. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you obviously then. The two of you bumped into each other somehow at some point. Can you remember when that was? Uh, for me, it was back in like 2017. Um, I needed parts for a customer and I ordered his parts because I, I knew Everett was dealing with them, but I never met Ron, you know, beforehand. And once I got the parts and I looked, I was like, damn, these are, these are nice parts. I've never seen any parts, you know, these parts clean. Uh, you know, I think it was a tremolo, a tremolo system, a roll bridge, and I think knobs. And I was just like, wow. And, you know, eventually after that, you know, I, uh, I think we started speaking more and more. And uh, eventually he was looking for a conversion block. Well, I had one and I ripped it out of a guitar. I said, here you go. I said, I got some design changes on it. You know, I want certain things, you know, I want the center scribe. I want to be able to put uh, the, like the original type or style rocker on there. And, uh, you know, he treated it and a lot of people seeing the, the combo block and it, it's, it's a work of art, you know, how, how, he, how he did it. And it, it works great. People don't realize how critical that combination block is. If you don't have the center line of those springs, in tune and timed timed out with the edge of that knife edge when you put that rocker on there it's not going to pivot right so that's a really critical dimension and people a lot of people that's a big mistake a lot of people make their homemade rocker uh conversion blocks is is they don't sit and think that through they that's that's a really critical part about the conversion blocks but the design Woody come up with is absolutely awesome. That center line was a game changer, really. Yeah. Um, well, when I used to install them, I had to, you know, uh, put a little bit of blue tape. Everybody knows I use blue tape. I like the blue tape. And I put a marking on there. But, you know, after a while, your hand rubs on it and it goes, you know, it fades off. 
So I'm like, I'd like to have a permanent center line on there, a scribe mark. And he did it beautifully. And, you know, once you sink it into the guitar, you don't see it. So it works out great. It's a great feature. I must admit, when I first saw it, I was like, what? This is just so much more straightforward for people that want to mod guitars with the Brian May tremolo system. Because why wouldn't you do it? It makes so much sense. I want to pick pick up on what you said, Ron. Obviously, when you're designing parts or you're machining them and you're taking things into consideration, you have a lifetime of experience of machining parts and thinking about all of these things. Do you ever stop to think a kid and his dad did this in their workshop at home on a tabletop with hand tools and got it so right? Do you ever stop to think about that? I never really thought about it until I was asked to do the time warp parts. And I'm thinking, well, no, I take that back. I'd seen some blocks, some tremolo blocks that Michael Danson was doing. Yeah. And I'm going, my God, man. I said, why is he putting so much work into that block? So I didn't have a clue. And uh, uh, so, I, you know, I'm looking at that. I'm going, boy, that's a lot of extra work. Well, then whenever I end up doing being asked to do the time warp parts, I real I that's when it dawned on me. I mean, him and his dad were working out of a shop in their garage or basement or wherever it was, barn. And uh they you they did it the way you would have to do it if you were using the tools that they had. Yeah. You couldn't just walk around a part and and make it solid and all that stuff. That's why there's the two ears on each end. And, and then suddenly it started making sense. I'm thinking, why would they make a, a round dowel with a hole in the middle to locate this ear? I mean, make it one part. But that's why. And so that's when I really got the admiration and uh, inspiration of, of, of the things that him and his dad did so long ago, even if they were engineers and Astro, well, he wanted astrophysicist at the time, but still, brilliant yeah. guys, man, and, and they did it. I mean, Woody, you obviously convert the, the Burns guitars. I know you you made your own red specials, and you you do some other bits, which we'll come on to in a minute. But do you ever take that time just to stand back and go, what like similar questions to Ron? Really, wow. I mean, how much? innovation did they have because for us as fans we're copying something that exists but they invented this stuff because it didn't exist Absolutely. yeah that's what gets me is I mean it was it was nothing and they build it from the ground up uh, they put this thing this guitar together and i just think i'm like it would take me 10 years to do it i just i don't understand i don't understand how they did it <laughs> and got it right the first time yeah, pretty much. Exactly. But you look at all these parts and you think about these parts. If you sink the uh, the knife edge in too low, your rocker is not going to rock back and forth. It's just certain things like that. You don't, you, when you look at the sketch and stuff, you look at it, you're like, they really did their homework. They sat down, they did their homework. And, and that's what blows me away. And it only took them, you know, almost two years. That's incredible. I mean, you know, like I said, it'd take me 10 years. Absolutely. 
they, they were working with pencil and paper as well. It's not like you, I mean, when I come to do these sorts of things, I'm very much use the technology as a tool. So CAD or drawing on the computer or using um, spreadsheets to work calculations out. And, you know, they were doing this stuff by hand as well. And then hand tooling it, it's, that's what really gets me is it's, it's just how how far ahead they were with their thoughts on on what they my did. my first pick card i made and it, it took me a month to figure out how to make these things i go how the hell did these guys do these by hand there's just there's just no way and i figured it out but it just i don't know how many plastic pieces they went through but i tried one and snapped it and i was like you got to be kidding me i was determined to make it by hand and i did but it's just amazing that they made the whole entire guitar by hand and uh it's it's really great no it's, it's definitely a, obviously it's red and it's special but it's certainly a special thing and not you know the story is it's so inspiring as well for people if they want to do something in life let, let alone play guitar or build a guitar but it's um we've got a lot a lot of uh thanks to the, to them or to, to to harold just saying to brian now we can't afford a guitar but i tell you what let's build one and make it better than any other guitar in the world um which they did it's it's amazing they sure did yeah i mean that that's a great story him and his father built this guitar and it really grabs on to me and I, I I I love that. You know, um a few years ago I made my son his red special, but I had to make it lefty. And uh, I just thought about that in mind while making it. I'm like, you know, obviously my son was like five at the time, so he really couldn't help too much, but it was just a nice thing to do. And so, you know, it's it's a really cool thing that if you can do you know build your father or build your son it's it's a great thing and they did a great thing they sure Definitely. did you remember um luke holwerder saying to me it would have been a completely different story if they would built a tree house <laughs> <laughs> okay but um so if we go back to your two stories so Ron, you have then you sort of been around a little bit and people have started contacting you and you've ended up making parts for various builders over the years. I think from memory, Corrado when he was C Quadro before he changed to Corrado or Carpentary guitars. Um, you've made bits and pieces for KZ, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, and you. You know, you were you were kind of missing one for a few years, um, up up until a, a certain movie came out. Talk talk to us about about what that was like for you and how how involved you got in that. Well, sure. Um, I'd mentioned earlier how, how once I went to Facebook and got online, everything just totally changed. And so, because I was going to start selling internationally, because up until then, every everybody I sold to was right here in the states. So I'm thinking, if I'm going to, and a lot of this back to Chris, you know, encouraging us to to go further. And uh, so I thought, okay, if I'm going to go international, I've got to look to see what the competition was. At that time, my my complete builds were selling for like five hundred something dollars. I mean, they were expensive. And so, um, 
When I went international, I thought, okay, I've got to look at the international product. And so I went online looking for all these manufacturers that might be selling RS parts. And really the only one I found was Giant Guitar and Woods. So I had to restructure my pricing. And, and what I did is I looked at their prices and I thought, okay, if these guys are selling in Europe, there's no way I'm going to sell a product. I mean, I was an unknown. And I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to sell products in uh, Europe more expensive than what they can get, you know? So uh, I had to look uh, take a long, hard look at everything to see if, if I could do it. And, uh, you know, I was able to scale up enough to where I could get the price in the, in the right range. And so, uh, you know, I went on there and, uh, it's, it's just went on from there. Um, you were asking about how I got to the time warps, right? Yeah, I mean, I think you ended up making some bits around the Guyton for the Bohemian Rhapsody guitars first, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, okay. Well, after, of course, Chris and Everett, I went to Michael Danson, made a few parts for him for a few years, went to Corrado after that, made parts for him for a few years. That's a good story. Uh, after him... It's like you said, it, there was always that elusive customer. I mean, that that gold, that, that what is it, the brass ring on the merry-go-round or something? And that was Andy Guyton, man. And uh, he, had, he had contacted me once uh, to, for some little, like you say, bits and bobs. And I sent them to him. And he really liked them. And he was curious about where all I came up with all my dimensions and my drawing and, and all that stuff for the parts. And, you know, I, I told him like it was, and, uh, he liked them and didn't hear nothing from him for a long time. And then one day out of the blue, he just calls me up and he says, uh, Hey Ron, he said, he said, I've just got this, uh, I've got the no, actually, it was a text message at first. I've still got it. And he's talking about uh, this great project he's got. Just fell in his lap, and he said, the uh, problem is I only got three weeks to do it. And, uh, and it was this movie, and and he wanted to know if I had any parts for these uh, basically just, uh, uh, what do you call them, props, prop guitar. Yeah. And so I said, yeah, man, I can throw them together. He, he said, good, man. He says, because there's no way I'd be able to get them together in time for this uh, first shot, which was with the live aid. Oh, man, I tell you what, I shipped them out on, I think, August 24th. And if I remember right, it was like September 8th that filming started with live aid. So he was able to throw, he, of course, he was doing his work in the background to get everything ready just to throw those parts in as soon as he got it. But, uh, you know, it made the deadline and there was the live aid concert shot, which bought him more time to make the, uh, uh night at the opera, uh, era build, but it, it was something, man. We made a really tight deadline and it, it, it really nice. And again, being at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And those, you know, look at those guitars on the film and then the shots that Andy posted up and the, they look spot on, don't they? They look absolutely they do. spot on. They do. They're um, lovely instruments. I don't know. I, there's no wiring in them, is there? I think they're just props, so they don't actually play. And 
more well i know that actually because thinking about it i spoke to andy about that not so long ago but yeah <laughs> so that's so then you you ended up doing some more for andy after that ron you then obviously off the the back of um andy making those film guitars i think he got some more interest and people started asking him about making working versions of those two guitars and then he spoke to brian and got the okay and then you had another email back to say can you help me again ron right uh uh i can't remember if it was before or after the the movie thing but uh that was about that time right before covid hit with everything was brian was in i think it's dallas and lost the knob yeah and the hit, hit right and, and then i think he had one more show in chicago before going back to the uk and then taking a little rest before heading back out at the first of the year uh, little known code didn't know COVID was coming around the corner but anyway uh all of a sudden you know he says uh says can you make these knobs and i'm man i'm telling you what you're talking about being gobsmacked i'm thinking my god what an opportunity is this and I'm thinking, of course, I didn't even think, man. I said, absolutely. And uh, he says, uh, problem is, he said, we want to have them done by the first of the year. And this was already, I think it was already into December. I'm not sure. But um, so I'll go, yeah, I'll do it, man. I don't care if I have to, you know, get a manual lathe and turn them things myself. I don't care. And, but, you know, in order to make time, I reached out to all my buddies in the tooling industry. And, uh, and when you've been in it as long as I have, you, you know, just about everybody and worked with most of them. So, uh, I reached out and, uh, my buddy Waylon Jones with quad J manufacturing says, I'll do those knobs for you, Ron. And I go, great, man. I told him the deadline. He says, no problem. I go, great, man. I said, uh, you know, I was expecting a really hefty bill because I only did, I think, 12 sets for replacement knobs to be given to Pete. I, I, I guess Pete's going to keep them for replacements from now on. Yeah. But uh, uh, so I said, great, man. I said, how much? I said, you know, be easy with me. And uh, he said, I'm going to do them for you for nothing. And I go, you've got to be kidding me. And he said, no, man. He said, I've loved Queen all my life. And he was actually tooled up on another job. They tore down off of that job, set those knobs up after I sent them the drawings and all that stuff, set that job up, had those jobs, those knobs turned before I could leave his shop and get home. Yeah. Now that's how quick they moved on those knobs. And I tell you what, man, uh, from, from what Andy's told me, Brian is just over the moon with those knobs. He said, cause the whole thing with the knobs is the feel. I never realized the difference in the feel between what our old knobs were used to be, which is a mill and a half distance between the, the knurling and what Brian's knobs were, which is one meal. Night and day difference. You found them at the Arizona meetup. And yeah. uh, it was just amazing. So, yeah. And so, you know, from there, the next call was, uh, you know, the time warps. Yeah. And you, 
worked with Andy to recreate the um, the tremolo and the bridges to be exactly as Brian's original after Andy sent me some more information. And I know the work that, I mean, I'm very fortunate. I am the first person or was the first person in the, the world to receive the first ever time warp. And um, not a day goes past where I don't pinch myself as I look at it going, someone's left a red special in my house. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. It's over there. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm, you know, Ron, I've been around this community a long time and I got to meet you in Phoenix and you had some of the parts with you and I was able to look at them. And then I've obviously seen them in all the different stages of things that Andy does to them afterwards. And, and they're absolutely fantastic. And the work that's gone into those guitars from everyone that's involved, whether that's um, Doug and Tim Grocott making the switches, yourself making the you. Me, me and my old man making the, the belts and straps and whatnot it's they're just something else and it's it's a testament to you and your work and dedication to getting these things right and getting them you know the the, the reputation you built up that andy came to you and asked you to build them for him so well done you and you absolutely smashed it well thank you man everything came from andy though all i did was just follow the lines you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, Brian and his dad did it. Brian, caught, I mean, uh, Andy copied it with his approval and sent the drawings to me. I yeah. just followed the lines. You know, yeah, all kudos you know, to Andy and Brian, his dad. Yeah, but you, you too, though, Ron, because you, you, you know, if you didn't have the reputation that you had for the, the quality of the parts that you made, and if you didn't behave the way that you do and, and be respectful of things the way that you are, and and you know, a stand-up individual as you are then you wouldn't have got the gig and you did and you, you you've done the right thing so well done on that one. Oh yeah. yeah i see your the, point there yeah for sure the guitar sounds awesome and looks awesome and woody you have obviously been doing various things over the years for various people as well um obviously we we know you for your conversion work rs conversions but you also you built a few guitars obviously you mentioned you built guitars for your, or you built the left-handed guitar for your son i think you built some other bits and pieces and help out but you also have a bit of a story with a well-known english luthier uh yeah mr guyton um he got a hold of me a couple of years ago uh he found out i had some uh, original jack inputs that brian had and i uh, sold them for the same price that I got them for, and uh, and I'm assuming they're for the time warps. And I'm assuming, yeah, and I'm I'm pretty sure you got the first one. Yep. Uh, so uh, after that, um, you know, um, a little while later, Andy reached out to me and asked me if I would do his be interested in doing the warranty work for Guyton Guitars in the U.S. I said, sure, no problem. So uh, we worked on one guitar, just minor stuff. But, uh, you know, that that was pretty much it. But uh, I stay in touch with Andy. Um, and he, he was kind enough uh, not too long ago, give me the, uh, the okay to make the uh, the Badger and Lace because I have a couple requests for him. Yeah. And uh, yeah. a real nice guy. I've talked to him a few times on uh, Zoom meetings. Oh, yeah, real nice guy, great guy. Uh, you know, love his work. I've, I've seen his work when he came out with the RS 
years ago we had the uh, the run of them of what 50 of them so yeah, yeah they're jaw jaw dropping so when i had one here to uh do some repair work one i was just like wow i actually got one of my hands <laughs> so yeah absolutely really, really cool to check this guitar out but uh yeah so uh, you know I, I don't um post up i do is warranty work uh i just it's just one of those things eventually i guess i will maybe when i update my website sometime <laughs> what well, i think it's an absolute testament to you though and your work to um for Andy to ask you to to undertake those, those bits of work for him on his behalf. Well, I the first time I talked to him, you know, we were talking about conversions and stuff and the stuff I do and the, the star inlays I do, and uh, I I explained to him, you know, these aren't your everyday guitars. They're not your normal Fender. They're not your normal Gibson guitars. So these they they take a little more finesse to set these guitars up right and. Pretty much, I'm assuming that's why he got a hold of me, because that's what we talked about, how these guitars, you know, how the Red Special is built. And you, you got to set it up just right to play right. And with the conversions, I'm able to do that. And nobody has a problem with tuning issues. They love it, how it plays. And, you know, and, and I love doing these things. Yeah, definitely. And if you were to look back at yourself when you started this off in 2006, did you ever think you would get to the point where, because obviously, as you said, you just taught yourself how to cut pick guards, where you would then be modifying, or not modifying, but working on warranty jobs on guidance at that point? I, I never saw myself doing this. Uh, you know, and once I got onto uh, social media and things started to blow up a little bit and uh, getting busier and meeting Ron, getting the parts. It's, it's, uh, I guess you would say it's dream come true because it's something I'm really passionate about, something I love to do. And, you know, I, I get up in the morning, get the boys off the school, I go right into the workshop and I get to do what I like to do. It's working mm -hmm. guitars, make plastics and all that good stuff. I've never seen a picture that you posted on Instagram or Facebook where you haven't got at least 10 guitars in the rack ready. This is the next lot of batch of ones that have arrived and this is the one I'm working. You know, it's, you seem to have a constant flow of guitars coming in. I, I do. It seems for the past three, four years, uh, no, going on four years, uh, I do about 18 conversions in the shop. But that's not what I ship overseas. Um, that's a way a lot more. And, and, and right now I, I've had people send their guitars to me from the UK, but a lot of people don't want to ship their guitars these days. And I uh, searched around, thought about a lot and put my faith into Fern from Evergreen Guitars. Oh, I, I put 100% in into this guy. Uh, I gave him notes, the, the custom tooling I had to make. I gave him everything. And, uh, you know, we're doing really well. We got a lot of people over in the UK getting them done by him. Uh, he's uh, doing under my supervision. So if he has a question or anything, I'm always here. He, he uh, gives me a ring. Um, and I got other people around the world right now. I got uh, Ralph DeQuadro in um, 
in uh, Australia doing conversions for me. I got Marco. Um, DeMarco. Yeah. Can't remember his name, Armando oh. uh, from Italy. So I got those yeah, two guys in Italy doing conversions. Uh, I got Japan, I got Spain, I got a couple other countries doing them. So yeah. we're uh, spreading out more. And it's amazing, really, to think that. I mean, look at the, I guess that's demand and what you can actually turn over and, and actually physically do yourself, and obviously trying to lower the costs for people i'm guessing from those countries to having to ship to the states and then having it shipped back is that well i you know i had somebody was on the forum a couple of years ago asked about that about they're afraid to ship the guitar they really were sure and then uh nigel knight chimed in and he said send it it'll, it'll be a lot cheaper just to ship it and have what do you do it um, he says, there, if I do, it'll be a lot more money, but you're better off having him do it. So having Nigel Knight backing me up and referring me, that was a nice highlight for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I got a few people behind me. I mean, I, I did my homework on this guitar, how to set them up properly, where to set the tremolo system at. Uh, I have special templates for it. Um, Fern has them. I, uh, everybody else I, I had to give tracings to. Um, because Ferns, he, he does a lot more volume. So, but uh, I did my homework on it, how, how these should be set up and and how Fern's doing them right now. And uh, he, when he shows me a guitar, I'm like, wow, that looks just as good as I'm doing it. It's because he is, he's, yeah. you know, even Ralph just did one and it blew me away. I'm like, I get jealous, but I'm like, wait, everybody's using the template or they're using the parts. and. It just it falls apart. It falls together nice and easy when you put yeah. this guitar because it's pretty much surgery on a guitar. I mean, try to take a router to a brand new guitar. A lot of people don't want to do that, so that's why I branched out to different countries to do the work. So if somebody's not too handy with a router, I got the right guy for you. Yeah, and I mean it's, it's something building one from scratch where you can put all these parts in, but then covering it in blue tape which must have shares in somewhere on the line um, and then <laughs> and then uh, marking it up and and cutting up as you say a brand new guitar it's not for the faint-hearted either yeah it's not just about conversions it's about if you want to you get a guitar and you're not happy with how it looks or the pick art i make upgrade kits it will fit the bmgs will fit the burns so and also I do ones for guilds. So if somebody doesn't like how they have the three-ply uh, plastic on there, I make it uh, a one-solid piece. And then for the stock RSs out there today, you know, BMG and Burns, it's, you know, it's not vinyl. It's real plastic. People say Persplex. It's actually the same thing. Um, but I do the upgrades, too. And, um, you know, that does really well, too, as, as much as uh, not as much as the conversions. But uh, I get people that get a conversion done and they love it so much, they wind up getting uh, somebody to build them a guitar. So I yeah. guess it steers them more towards, hey, I, I, you know, if I can get this conversion and it plays great, I want the real deal. Because that's what I did. You know, I did my conversion. Yeah. I said, I want to get a guitar as close as possible. And I went to Everwood. And I got a guitar built from him. That's why I got I had a couple guitars early.
So, but you know, if I could have got a Guyton, I would have, but you know, <laughs> axes and everything, you know, it's, and, and the weight too. I didn't want to wait that long, yeah. but I, I know why. Cause I have one here with the quality of the work he does. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm just happy with what I do and I'm glad I can help people out. You know, and, and everyone's, I'd say both of you are pretty good at um, helping out on the forum and then making sure that you're not just doing the bits that you do, but being active members as well and making sure that you probably don't see it as, as this because it's just going on the forum and posting stuff up, but contributing well, we back. Both, we both agree on something. Customer service, number one. We have people that have gotten parts that don't work well with their guitar. We'll help them make it work or you know, we'll help them the best that we can do. But we're always there to help. Not yeah. our parts. They got parts from somebody yeah. else. Yeah. No. <laughs> they got, I'm sorry. Yeah. They, they didn't get our parts, but they've got somebody else's and are having yeah. an issue. We'll try to help them out. But most of the time, the parts are incorrect. They wind up buying our parts. And the sad part is they now they're buying twice as much as the parts. Now they're yeah. wasting money because they bought the wrong parts in the first time. And, you know, we, we, well, I dealt with quite a people with that. That's parts and pick guards. A lot of people had a problem with. So and we're trying to, I don't mind helping people, but I'm trying to steer away from that. And I try to tell people if they're looking for good parts, whatever, I just tell, I don't say, don't go here, go here. I say, do your homework. And that's all you got to do. You do your homework, you ask questions. I think if you, you just have to look at who the, the pros are using and who they turn to, and that's you two. So, uh, yeah, I'd recommend Red Special Podcast approved parts from Ron Smith and Red Special approved conversions and pick guards from Woody Thomas is what I would say. But I think I'm right in saying recently you two have gone more together. That sounds wrong, but um, you've joined forces. It's probably the best way of of putting it and what are you now selling ron's cyber shop parts on your website yeah i've pretty much taken over sales for the cyber shop but we're still working together uh yeah. you know ron's plate is full but if he has uh, uh bigger orders of what, 10 12 builds he'll take care of them but i'll take care of the the small orders or questions that come in of something or you know or somebody has a question about something so it's uh you know he, he's busy but you know if he kept doing what he was doing he would just you know go crazier than he is already <laughs> well i mean i couldn't answer the questions anyway they're asking me stuff like about certain radiuses and stuff and yeah i have to send them to you anyway so no. ron 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 smith's the guy if i put a ruler down and trace a straight line He'll go, I can make it straighter. Yeah. That's what kind of guy he is. He can, I mean, he can nail these things down. That's not straight. This is straight. That's just he's that that's how he is. And that's why I, I like a battle. You know, yeah. and he he, you know, he doesn't um BS you, he tells you how it is. Yeah. No, I, I mean I've been I mentioned it a few times, really fortunate enough to come over to Phoenix and meet Ron in the Phoenix meetup and it's lovely to meet you face to face, Ron. And it's odd to think that was a year and a half ago. 
before all this COVID stuff happened. And I think I still owe you a drink, but um, I definitely do. <laughs> not forgotten that. That gin and grapefruit in this coffee cup you got me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I know from from talking to you and I mean, from seeing, I mean, what's lovely about the meetups and about doing this is getting to talk to people and actually hear voices and listen to how people are so passionate about things because it doesn't translate in written communication as well as it does if you hear someone talking or see them face to face. And it was an absolute treat to finally meet you in 2021, no, 2020, Ron. and have a chat with you about parts and you can see how passionate you were going through the different bits that you'd brought along to the meetup for us all to have a look at and um it's just a shame that day those days end because you kind of feel like you want to carry on talking about it and, and not not end the conversations but um yeah and i um i think as well james chen woody he bought um jim chen he had a um a conversion that you'd done with a clear tremolo cover at the meetup so we could have a look at how the tremolo worked have you you done some work with james uh yeah he uh i've done a few conversions for him um uh somebody's looking for a guitar and they, and they can't find one i get a hold of james and he'll send me the guitar right over and i'll do a conversion on it um but yeah, with that guitar, that was, uh, that was a real nice guitar. Uh, got it here in time, put everything off to the side so I can get the conversion done and get it shipped back to them so you guys can have it for the meetup. And that, that guitar really came out nice. They all come out nice, but this is the one I was just like, this is going to be at the meetup. And this is a real special guitar for me because the work I did on it and everybody's going to be seeing it. So uh, what's that? <laughs> uh, looks like, looks like that. And yeah those guys are going to hook up at the nam show look at those guys yeah yeah but no i i stay in touch with james chen um you know we we, we try to get some guitars converted and shipped back to them uh right now it's it's been you know uh delays on shipping and stuff but uh you know that's how it is that's the whole COVID thing shipping yeah. is a big problem Yep. Yeah. massive i mean yeah my my first memory of, of james was he turned up at the meetup and it, it was like best way to describe it is a, a, without james if you're listening i don't mean it's about you but but clowns at a circus getting out of a car he literally yeah. opened his door and oh, yeah. threw the guitar out and then another guitar out and another guitar out and another guitar out and another guitar out and then ron you you were there he had about 23 guitars lined up with stand information and he sent me a photo he says hey i'm heading off to the uh i'm heading off to the meetup he sent me a photo of the back of his uh minivan whatever it was i'm like you gotta be kidding me right (laughs) it was like a shipping truck yeah it was like the history of burns all all in one band yeah yeah no, it's um, definitely, if you hadn't, if you weren't there to see it, it's one of those things, it's an experience, that, that's for sure. And James is very passionate about Burns and Brian May guitars as well, Yeah, um, obviously. But Ron, please do say hello to him for me, if you see him tomorrow. Oh, well, I'll be seeing, he's coming into Nashville tomorrow, 
The NAM show, Summer NAM show in Nashville will be Thursday and Friday. It's going to be pretty small. A lot of merchants didn't come in because of the COVID thing. They didn't, they didn't want to book that far ahead. But yeah. uh, James messaged me the other day. He says, hey, man, he says, you want to pass? I said, you got that right. So uh, I'll be t- cooking up with him tomorrow, and uh, I'm going to go buy Taya guitars with him, and we're going to check them guys out too. Yeah. That James super guy. He, he really is, and he's done a lot for the community in the States without us all realizing either, making sure that they're available to buy over there. And, and if, if you're looking for a, a Burns, and not Burns because they don't make them out, BMG, and you're in the States, then I'd say go straight to Jimmy, Jimmy Chen from San Francisco. Well, not to cut in, but it's funny because I had a couple customers that wanted conversions done. Uh, the one guy, Ray Edwards, he wanted a blue one. I said, hang on, I just got the guy for you. Uh, Boom. Had one, sold it to him. Uh, Steve uh, Ken, I guess is or Keen, uh, he wanted a sunburst and a three-tone burst, and he couldn't get them. I said, hang on, I got the guy for you, James Chen. And he went and bought them right there on the spot, got the guitar sent here, and did the conversions on them. So if some people can't find what they want, even a red one, you can't find anywhere. I got someone that has them, James Chen. So I have I must say as well, Woody, those sunburst ones you converted just look so good. That, uh, what was it, the honey burst? As soon as I took the tape off, I looked back, I was like, whoa, that that came out really nice. I just, yeah, I was, I was blown away. Even the three-tone burst too, but it's just that that honey burst really threw me off. As soon as I put the black plastic on there, I was just like, I stepped back and just looked at it for a minute. I said, that really turned out sweet. Oh, absolutely. One of those photos where you start questioning, do I, how much money would I throw at one of those right now? Cause it looks so good. Well, I had a few people message me asking me if that was a, a super, uh, or where can I buy this guitar? I'm like, it's, it's a BMG. It's has a full conversion. I said, you have to, you know, if you're interested, let me know and they would get back to me, but I haven't heard back from some people. But I told him, I said, that's what the color is, honey burst. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that, that came out really nice. James almost completes like our third leg of the stool here in the United States. Yeah. You know, we got the plastics with Woody, we got the hardware with me, and we got James that's sort of the tie between BMG and us. And it just works out beautifully. Yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't really ever heard of him before the meetup either. And I hadn't either. And as soon, as soon as he turned up and you start chatting to him, you're like, this guy knows his stuff and he's been around a long time. He's he's responsible yeah. for a lot of a lot of official products being in the States. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're looking at his collection and he's like, this is just a fraction of what I've got hidden away. <laughs> oh, God. And um, yeah, you kind of had to be there to kind of get it, but no, I, yeah, I'm smiling as I'm talking just because I could hardly believe myself you know, the amount of stuff yeah, he brought with him. What a personality! Was, oh yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, the first time I talked to him was a few months before the meetup, and I said uh, he somebody was looking for a guitar, and I don't know somehow we wind up talking on the phone. 
And uh, I said to him, I said, get me a green BMG. I want a green one. He said, I'll get you one. It, it took a while because they were out of stock and, you know, whatever. And I finally got it. But uh, he got a hold of me. He says, I got two of them. He says, which one do you want? I said, ooh, it was a kid in the candy store. I said, give me that one. It's getting fully converted soon. And then he sent me his. And I did a conversion on his. So it was a, a fun month. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I want a green one so bad I can't stand it. <laughs> you want the you one cool. first fret? Yeah. Mm. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a good team over in the States, definitely. And um, Woody, are you, have you got any plans to attend the next US meetup if Mr. Holwerder pulls his finger out and arranges it? Obviously, when it's safe to do so. Uh, I was, I, I couldn't, as long as my wife, cause she travels for work. So if she's not traveling, if I get enough notification and I can plan it yet, because the one in Arizona, she was actually going away, uh, that day or the day after. So it was, you know, and I got two little kids, two little boys, so I couldn't yeah. just get up and go, but yeah, I would have loved to come there, but, uh, yeah, if, if, uh, the scheduling's right, yes, I want to be there. Cause Ron, would you say it's worth going to a meetup? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me, I have never experienced in my life, and like I said way at the very beginning, how as a as a child I moved every two years. I mean, and I've never ever walked in a room of total strangers that I knew every one of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, totally amazing. Of course, Doug Short was there. I mean, my God, how can we forget Doug? <laughs> so you and Doug, I mean, y'all are legends in my eyes. And then the fabulous Luke. I mean, my God, what a fine guitar that is. Yeah, it's not too untalented himself, is it? It's a, it's a lovely looking thing, and it plays. I mean, we played through it most of the day. Yeah, he's done a great job, and he's a lovely guy too, with Luke, and very knowledgeable on lots of things, and makes movies and does all the fun stuff that we all want to do. And right, yeah, was, but but everybody in the room, I mean, they were guys I knew from the RS community, and the names I knew, and and the communication between the chit chats, everything good, but to put the face of the name and just be able to sit there and just touch them hug them, take a photo with them. I, I just, it, it changed my life almost as much as that day that Chris called me. I mean, it's just, yeah. it just brought me into the brotherhood. It seems like. Definitely. I would recommend to anyone who's questioning whether or not they can get something from it. If you can get to one head to one, because you just build up some lifelong friendships from them and you, and you can't, you can talk to people on the phone and it's fantastic and it's lovely to speak to you guys via zoom but when you're in the room with someone in the, their presence and you can share stories and information and see the smile on someone's face properly and their eyes light up when you start telling them about something and have a bit of a banter with them and a few jokes you know when you go home and you're looking on the forum and you're posting a question or a response that five or six of the guys will understand the reference <laughs> because they were in the room with you. Uh, classic example, Ron, I'm going to say two words to you, Knob Creek. I know. 
I knew that was coming up. I know, and that's such a good one. That was the little inside joke that I put as far as the the knob jobs that uh, Woody was doing or something like that. I said, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a little inside joke that really, unless you were there, you wouldn't know what we were talking about. But no. just awesome. Yeah, great. Th- those moments. Well, I'm, we talked about Doug Short, and Doug and I came over from the UK. I'm actually seeing Doug over the weekend to record a podcast with him. Cool. Um, so I shall say hello to him from you as well. But um, yeah, so I guess then, boys, what what's next um, for you, Woody? What what's on your? You're obviously working around the world now, um, still doing conversions. Is there anything else up your sleeve, or are you just keeping it as it is from the? As is, I do have some things up my sleeve, but uh, I can't talk about it right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Good answer. Plus, my wife just texted me and said, another guitar just got shipped. It's in the foyer. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be doing <laughs> again. So, yeah. so, so. Well, that's but, good. We look forward to, to news. News is good. Plans for forward news is good. And Ron, I'm sure you're part of uh, the inside looking at your face, knowing what, what he's going to announce at some point. I was just waiting to hear what he was going to say because, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of irons in the fire and there's a lot of new good news coming up in the future. We just can't talk about him right now. So, exactly. uh, you know, really Woody, Woody's more in the know than I am as far as uh, what, what's allowed to be said and my mouth sometimes gets me in trouble. So I try to try to stay quiet. Why are you smiling so much, Woody? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, well, I can't wait to find out what it is that's coming up and I'm sure it'll be um, great news is all of the stuff that's happened in the last sort of, six months from you, Woody and Ron. I've seen has been a step forward and it's been to benefit us in the community really I think is it's probably the, the best way whatever you guys come up with as a new innovative idea or suggestion or working together is it just serves to to help all of us in the red special forum on Facebook on the internet to to get to our ultimate goals of owning the guitar that in, has inspired us all in in some way so I can't wait to see what it is because, um, yeah, you never know, do you? <laughs> Patience. <laughs> Woody, I think I told him. I think I told you, John. I don't know. I, I, John's just I diplomatic don't. enough not to say anything. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I'm sure. I, I don't know, Ron. I don't know if you did say, but I won't speculate because that's not fair. Maybe you didn't. Okay. But, um, it's been, for me, it's been a pleasure chatting to you both today. Same here. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time. I know that you've taken time out of your busy day, and obviously with the time difference, I'm stopping you both actually doing work. So really appreciate that you felt you wanted to be on the podcast and chat to me for the benefit of the people that listen to the podcast. It means so much that people want to take the time out of their busy day to to do that. And um yeah thank you so much uh hopefully in the not too distant future if you come up with some other ideas and you want to talk about them you'll come back and talk to me and we can 
can have a chat about what those are then um i see the podcast as a bit of a time capsule so right. as as time goes by i'd like to get a lot of the people that i've spoken to back on over time so we can review where they were before and, and what's happened since sounds good yeah i believe some of our our news may come out here fairly soon so maybe it'll make it before the podcast you quite possibly We'll find out, Ron. And I'm sure the Red Special podcast will share the share it all on on the website and forum and and whatnot to make sure that that it's out there. But I'm going to wrap up, chaps, in a minute. Is there anything else that we've not talked about that you think you wanted to talk about? I think that's pretty much it for me. You're pretty damn thorough on the interviews, there, John. Yeah. Well, we're getting over everything I can think of. If you want to talk about some Zeppelin, I could talk about that all day. (laughs) Yeah, strong podcast, Woody. I know, I'm joking. Well, hey, that's what led me into Queen, so yeah. Yeah. We can talk about the new Schechter guitar over there. There you go. No. Um, so in terms of, I'll come back and wrap up in a minute and then I'll just cut what I said out and edit it together. Um, no I've got a few other episodes that I've already pre-recorded lined up to go out um, before this one. So it's probably going to be, I would have thought, one to two months minimum before this comes out. Just because in order to edit this, I have to listen to it again. We've been chatting for an hour and a half. So I have to listen to an hour and a half to edit it, and then I have to edit it down, remove anything I want to remove, and then sit and listen to it again and edit it again. And then I've got to put the bits at the beginning and the end. And it's time because I have young children as well and a day job, as you both know, and this is a hobby. So um, it might take a little bit of time, but yeah. If there's what nothing else, I'll wrap up. Amazing, John. I mean, you know, it's just unbelievable that you take the time out to, to do what you do. I mean, and a I mean, podcast? Nobody's done that. That's what you want. And it ain't no sideline podcast. I mean, this is top notch. Yeah. John's, yeah. John's, he don't cut no corners. Well, it's, I think like, the Red Special is so rich and giving me so much in my life. I feel like, the one thing that's always upset me the most is that people have fallen out and in my life i've done a lot of work with people i work with people all the time one of my skills is working with people and motivating people to do things and um a lot of things are lost in translation which is where most frustrations come from and when you take a step back and look at the community and all of the the potential issues that there have been with chris and everett and the whole pirate debate none of this is going in the podcast by the way um what you can see on the face is that people are getting angry with each other and arguing but when you take a step yeah. back chris and everett are passionate about this brian may and pete malandrone and nigel knight are passionate about this mm. you two are passionate about this i'm passionate all the other people are passionate because of the guitar we just forget that we're all you know, we've all got slightly different ideas, but we're all passionate about it. And when when you do that, 
and you get everyone in a room, what's written on a keyboard never seems quite so bad because you're talking to a human being and you can see how, how what this means to them and why they get so passionate about their own views on it. And people are entitled to their own views because that's what makes the world go round. And mm-hmm. if we were all thinking the same thing, it'd be boring. But so for me, because it's given me so much, I just think the best way to break down the barriers is to get people to come together. So I, I do that normally in the UK with a meetup. Obviously came to the US meetup because I thought can't not go to that to meet people like yourselves. And then with COVID, I was talking to Luke Holwerder because I literally talk to him every day of my life now. Um, Good guy. He's, he's ended up being like my best friend in the world which is just crazy because he lives in Phoenix cool. and it's just, just mental and um, we've got some news um which i can't share at all but hopefully in the next 12 months that will come out and cool. that should maybe not red special related but it should blow a few people's minds so Sounds yeah good. but um yeah when you, you get people together but with covid you couldn't get together so i thought how can i capture these chats i have with my friends and I just thought, well, wouldn't a podcast work? And I mentioned it to Luke, and he's like, yeah, man, if you want to do a podcast, do it, which is why he was the first one, because it was a test ground. And I just thought, if you bring community, if you bring community to the heart of it, so people and interactions, and then how can people not like it? Because it's about the community that it's formed, and hopefully Brian would see it as a bit of a, you know, a homage to him and his dad. Um, about what they've created and the legacy they've created not just in Queen's music or the guitar but the community of people that's come around it and I just think if I don't do it I've got this saying with Luke if you want something to exist and it doesn't do it um so so it doesn't exist and I thought it should and I just thought if I don't do it someone else is going to do it and I'm maybe and I'm not going to enjoy it so why don't I do it and there we go. go. And you know, speaking of Doug, Doug was doing it a long time ago too, under the scenes. Remember when he would, didn't even have his Doug short screen name? I mean, it was under his wife's, right? Jane Short. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, look at all the hard work and dedication he put into this. Yeah. You know, Doug, I mean, what was the yeah. story on that, John? Well, he, well, we'll find out on Sunday. I'll get to ask him all those questions. But oh, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you listen out. But Doug's a, in a very passionate chap, and he's very intellectual. He works in a nuclear power plant mm-hmm. in Scotland, and he's an engineer, and he um, looks at things differently to us. So he he looks at the science behind it and the thought processes, and and evaluates things and people. And Doug has a love hate relationship with it mainly because of how long it took him to build and finish his own guitar and then the jokes I made of him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um he's got his own story, which is interesting. But his his whole family's coming over because they're in holiday in Cornwall. Mm-hmm. So um his wife's coming up and he's bringing his children who my children have played with a couple of times before when we've met up before. So Great. yeah. Anyway chaps. I could ramble on for days because well, that'll be a good interview. I can't wait to hear it. I'll do that one. Well, they're, they're all they've, in their own way. They've all been pretty, pretty good. I think. Yeah. 
I, I listen. I listen to them. I, I can't wait till I get up Friday morning. I'm like, okay, where's this at? Let me find a link for it. Here it is. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, when I'm getting the kids ready for school or just getting up, I was like, I, I get listen to it. You know, just put the uh, phone in my pocket and walk around. Oh, so. it's it's great because when I went up to Andy Guyton, he's like, oh, I've listened to the latest podcast of Eddie Turner while I was making like finishing off your guitar. I was like, how crazy is that? It's um, yeah. It's good. I never thought people would actually listen to it. I thought maybe I'd get like twenty people listen, but it's growing. It well, it, it takes a while, but yeah, it'll it'll grow and blossom into something bigger. So you know, you know, every day you'll get followers, or every podcast you do, you're going to get more and more people because you know, yeah. plus everybody helps to promote it too. So when you post it up if i don't see any shares on it i want to throw it in the uh conversion form yeah no so, sure thank you mate <laughs> no problem much appreciated or obvious of course it's um and that's the thing it's, it's people isn't it and the the world is made up of people and the, it's just i think i sit and talk about and think about this all the time but without the guitar i wouldn't have met people like yourselves and had this opportunity to chat to you about your own stories and I wouldn't have met Luke Holwerder or Doug Short and these you guys are more my friends than my actual friends have ever been because we all share a love of this guitar and it's, it's like I said when I walked in that room it's like I knew everybody but they were all strangers you know <laughs> it's just unbelievable uh when's the UK meetup this year is it going to be in October John October the 9th if um if COVID allows we'll be going ahead yeah. Um, I was wanting to go to it, but my buddy, you know, that guy that was with me in, in Phoenix uh, that yeah. I was staying with in Tucson, he's coming up in October. He's going to stay the whole month with me. So uh, I'm, I wouldn't be able to make it anyway, but I'm, well, I can't say I'm glad COVID, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what I'd do if I had to miss. I don't think I ever want to miss another meetup. That's how addicting they are. You know, it's just, uh, I loved it. No, it's, it's good. Well, you, obviously, I mean, I, I hope that in maybe next year, the, the rules will be a bit more relaxed. And I know Luke's looking yeah, at yeah. trying to book another US one um, at some point. So I definitely intend to go to that again. And I'll carry on arranging them in October's in the UK until my wife tells me I need to stop or <laughs> it's only me going. <laughs> so, um, right. yeah. So you both have to come to the UK one at some point as well. Oh, I'll be there. Yeah. I guarantee you. Well, we I'll playing. drag. I'll drag Woody there. Yeah. Even if I have to tell Kim, keep your butt at home. Tell him you're sick. Yeah. Woody's going with me. Well, we did have plans to go up in that October, but then it got canceled because of COVID. I know. Yeah. I, I I had plans. I'm like, all right. And my wife's like, all right. She was. I think she was going to go too. So I'll go. With That'd you. have been nice. And somebody watched the kids. No problem. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe next year it will be a better year when everything's calmed down a bit and we know a bit more where we are for, for getting everyone over. And, you know, off the record, we've been promised some pretty cool stuff turning up in the next few years. Cool. Um, so, yeah, it's worth this year. It, it probably won't happen again. But it will happen, but if it goes ahead, but. I would say maybe next year or the year after would be definitely one to show up to if you uh, 
if you're interested in, in coming to see some cool stuff. That would be uh, nice. But um, right, I'm going to wrap this up and then I'm going to yeah finish recording and then we can chat a bit more. Sounds good, John. Well, I wish I could have seen you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're standing there naked, Woody. Uh, <laughs> just got my red special on, Ron. That's a bit. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, John, it's been nice talking with you, man. Same here. It was good talking to you, John. No, thank you both so much. It's been a, an absolute pleasure chatting to you tonight. Um, thank you for your time. I know the people of the community will love to hear Ron's voice and I finally oh. hear you, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you like my Pete melodrama? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> there you go <laughs> there he is no it's been great chaps thank you so much for your time thank you for yeah, uh, I didn't have my headphones on but anyway <laughs> alright listen up nice thank you for your yeah. contributions to the forum as well and the cold community we, you know we talked about Chris and Everett being uh, and, and Mark Reynolds and those guys sort of starting us all on this journey but if you guys hadn't done what you did when you did it and bumped into each other and carried on, we wouldn't be where we are today. And I can't thank you enough for, for helping more people come to realize their dream of owning a red special, because to me, owning my own red special that I've built and then the guiding time warp is just, it means the world to me. And thank you both for your input because yeah, you're making a lot of dreams come true. Well, thank you, John. Good to hear. You keep safe, guys, and I'll uh, I'll catch you again. All right, All right take it easy. easy.